Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. It is Monday, Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, and that means we bring back Greg Dickerson to the show. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing good, Michael. I'm three hours ahead of you on the East Coast. So for everybody on the East Coast, it's 11 a.m. There you go. Hey, so one of the things I wanted to talk about today was really I wanted to ask you a bunch of questions. Because as I sit back over the weekend and I think about where the opportunities will be after this health event, I'm coming to an area that I've never looked at before. And that is there are going to be a lot of small businesses that will either be struggling where they'll need a capital infusion or be flatly for sale. And I'm wondering, you know what, should I look at some small businesses? I'm, I would personally look at small businesses that actually owned the real estate. But, you know, I'm wondering what, you know, what should I be looking for? Can you do creative deals there? You know, of all my experts that I speak with weekly, you're the one that has done multiple, multiple businesses. So I'm like, okay, I'm saving this question for Greg. Uh, so let me just throw it out there. Is that a crazy idea to look for, first off? No, no, not at all. And, and, and you ah. know, it's a great real estate strategy and it's a great investing strategy in general. So businesses before all this um, had way better cap rates. If you look at it from an NOI standpoint, businesses trade, how do you value a business that trades on a multiple of EBITDA, you know, earnings before, uh, you know, taxes, uh, you know, insurance, depreciation, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, it's the net operating income of a business's EBITDA, right? Okay. So it trades on a multiple of that. So you could generally buy a business for three to four times its EBITDA in good times before this an average, just small business. And if your roll business is up, you can turn around and resell that package at 13 to 20 times EBITDA, depending on what type of business it is. Hmm. Um, so, um, so number one is understanding how to drive that number. What's that real number? And where are the real opportunities with that? Some businesses own the real estate, some don't. So when you buy a business that owns real estate, you're going to separate the two. You're going to separate mm-hmm. the business, which trades on EBITDA. Then you're going to separate the value of the real estate. So generally, if you're going to buy a business from somebody, they're either struggling or retiring. So mm-hmm. what are their options? Number one, you know, what are you going to do with the cash? What's your retirement plan? So it may behoove them to go ahead and finance the real estate for you and then sell you the business and cash out of that. Or if they're struggling, give you the business, finance the real estate, and then, uh, you know, you've solved all their problems. So I've done a number of those types of transactions in the past. There's also a business model where as a real estate owner, you can buy a property you bring the business in as a co-borrower on the loan, which is a lot easier to finance. And it's kind of like a joint ownership deal mm-hmm. where you come in as the investor, you're 50%, the business owner comes in, they're 50%. Mm. You guys own that asset together uh, as a joint venture property. So there's a lot of different directions you can take that. But the key is to understand valuations of businesses uh, are based on the EBITDA. And there's inventory component and equipment component as, as well that you have to take into consideration with certain businesses if they have a lot of you know, equipment, inventory, things like that. But generally, you're looking at the EBITDA earnings before um, you know, interest, taxes, uh, you know, depreciation. That's how you value it, that net operating income of the business. Very, very cool. So this is something I'm definitely going to dig into more. So I've got some more questions for you. Um, is there a type of business that is more likely to own the real estate than others? 
uh, I asked this question because I don't want to buy a business that is already leasing expensive office space or retail space. I would only be interested in a business that owns the, owns the real estate that they operate mm -hmm. in. So are there businesses where that is more likely or not? I, I have no idea. Uh, you know, it's all over the map. So okay. um, usually in most cases, you're going to find that medical dental, uh, those types of practices, they okay. tend to own their property more often than most other types. Uh, the next one's going to be, you know, dry cleaners. You know, that's okay. a, that's a great consistent business. Most areas, dry cleaners are still open and going in a situation like this. So the first thing, when you look at a business, what's, what's going to be recession proof, you know? So if you look around right now, besides being actually who is shut down, mm. you know, what can survive a recession? This is a very different environment because, mm. you know, it's forced. Yeah. Um, so you want to look at those types of businesses. People need to eat, you know, they need to live. And I think mm. we're going to see the real estate housing market is going to be the asset class, you know, du jour after this, because in, when the economy's, you know, and the world's coming to an end, people need a house. They got to have yep. somewhere to live. So that asset's going to survive everything, cash yeah. and housing. Yep. Uh, behind that is medical, then there's food, and then generally you need gas. You know, I mean, right now, again, very different environment, but in most cases, you're still going to need gas. So when you look at those types of assets, a lot of times gas stations own the real estate. So mm -hmm. the best play there is to own the real estate, lease the gas station. Gas stations is a very difficult business. And, you know, that, that's one that you've you got to really understand and know before you enter into that business. But you can own the real estate and lease it to an operator, lease it to an oil company. So that's a great business model. Uh, Dollar Generals. So on the retail front, one of my mentors is the grandson of the founder of Dollar General. Mm. Um, you know, he's a billionaire. That company, you know, just phenomenal, phenomenal company. That's a build to suit uh, model where you can own that lease it back to Dollar General, where you can own the real estate. Now you're not buying the business. Yep. You're just, you're just, you know, leasing that. Um, well, a gas station, like I'm talking about too, you're not necessarily buying the business, but the other way to do it is you have operator operating partners. Mm -hmm. um, you buy it, you own it, you let somebody else operate it. They're kind of a partner in that, or you hire somebody and let them run it for you. Um, if you've got somebody with skin in the game, you're much better off because you know, they'll, they'll look after it. But, um, so those are, those are a lot of the types that you see that will own sometimes markets, you know, small markets will own the properties. Um, sometimes restaurants will own, own their real estate. I mean, I know a couple of restaurant operators that will not lease, they want to own their property. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's kind of all over the map, but the big ones are medical, uh, medical, dental, professional service like that. Chiropractors, you know, a lot of those guys want to own their own property. Um, then you get into like, you know, uh, service businesses, sometimes dry cleaners, sometimes not. Uh, then you've got some retail components and then, you know, the, the restaurant operators. Yeah. So the other thing I'm thinking uh, about. Of course, hotels, but you don't want to be in that. No. <laughs> and hotels. Oh my God. Hotels. I could, I, yeah, hotels, ouch. Um, so the other thing I'm thinking about is I need to look for freestanding buildings. Um, basically not a strip mall, right? Not, I don't need somebody that's, you know, one of 10 tenants in a strip mall. Um, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, and you know, that's generally going to be a triple net kind of a, or, you know, what people would call triple net where the owner is mm -hmm. paying taxes, insurance, uh, yeah. maintenance, you know, that type of thing. So yeah, uh, yeah these are going to be single uh, I mean, you know, you can own a condo. So there's a lot of, a lot of those businesses like, you know, that will own a condo if that strip center has been condoed out. Oh. The problem there is, you know, you could get hit with special assessments, you know, association fees, all that. So yeah. generally you're going to see uh, that somebody could own that building as the owner and the business owner. So I'll give you another example. So automotive repair shop. So um, at one, one time I owned a strip center and I was partners with a guy in an automotive repair shop and we ran the business in one uh, of the five units. I think it was five unit. I made a video on it, five units to it. 
Okay. So the business leased out one units from us, and then we leased out the other five that paid for the whole complex. We essentially had rent for free, mm. even though we had an operating entity that owned the building. We had a business that was a tenant, four or five other businesses. Uh, we actually owned that one business that was in there. Uh, we did another one for our pool spa landscaping business. That's where we started the business first. Then we bought a building that was owner financed, put the business in there, but the business owned the building. So at the end of the day, I packaged that up and resold the whole thing back. So there's a lot of ways to, to skin that cat. So yeah, you can do a strip center um, as long as, you know, your business is the owner uh, or your company owns that and then your business can be one of the tenants. Absolutely. Okay. So very, very cool. So that's a, So I'm going to go to the strip center now because another area that I see, I'm just looking for maximum pain, right? Um, or, you know, maximum pain, maximum opportunity, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I see the small strip centers particularly in trouble, really all strip centers, but the small mom and pop, you know, five to seven, you know, units, offices, however you kind of categorize them being in kind of a unique pain point. Cause a, that retail segment is clearly not paying rent, at least in most cases today, and probably won't be paying rent for quite a while given they're shut down. Right. Um, yeah. what, I mean, how would you look at a small retail center? Let's assume coming out of this, it's let's say 10 for easy math, 10 units, whatever. Let's assume half of them are boarded up and empty. Two of them are functioning and three of them aren't paying that need to be evicted or you know, whatever that's called in that space. How would you value us? I mean, would you even look at a strip center on the other side of this or is it just too, too risky? Is it, is it like hotels, right? Cause I think hotels are untouchable for a while. Um, are strip centers yeah, untouchable? Yeah, hotels are different. Yeah, hotels are different. People are going to be afraid of that. People just aren't going to be traveling a lot immediately, depending on how long this is and what all the reports are. You know, or is it, you know, are we getting, you know, uh, you know, reflat, reflashes, you know, yeah. of, of this thing. Um, you know, like a fire, you put it out and then it reflashes, reflares, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you get more fires. But uh, no, I'm not afraid of it at all. If it's a good asset in a good location and it's, and it just doesn't have tenants, just like a multifamily property, man. I, I mean, the more the stress, the better. I'll buy a vacant multifamily property all day long if it's in a good area. Uh, okay. I don't care if it's boarded up, you know, a fire hit it, whatever. It could be rebuilt, renovated, done. But mm -hmm. with commercial, you got to understand what's the landscape going to look like moving forward? Who are your tenants going to be? So that's the question. Where is it located? What kind of a tenant mix can you put in there that, that is going to thrive and survive? And you're going to have to probably help some people get started. So if it's something that you could put professional services in, um, you know, medical, dental type services in, retail that's essential. So if you look at what's essential right now, you know, it's food, you know, it's the dry cleaners. People are still cleaning clothes. Um, you know, the ones that got shut down were like nail and hair salons and stuff like that, which generally in most recessionary environments, those are going to do okay as well. But uh, the main thing that's surviving right now, Starbucks, if, you're, if you've got Starbucks in your area that are open, and the drive-thrus are packed, you know? Yeah, so I've seen rolling. some crazy you know, lines. Jimmy John's is still selling sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's nuts, you know? People are still going to get that coffee. They're still going to get Chick-fil-A, and, and in some cases, more so than ever, because there's nothing else to do. So they'll go out and visit those fast, casual, fast food places just to get out of just the house. Just to get you know, out, pet yeah. Pet supplies, yeah. yeah. You know, pet supplies are still thriving, veterinarian offices. I mean, that's another one, vet clinics. Uh, that's a great business model. You can roll up vet, veterinary practices and, and a lot of times they own their real estate single and in strip environments, but generally they're in single, uh, single buildings, uh, single cool. asset buildings. So uh, I'm not afraid of any, anything other than a hotel. I was getting ready to do four of them. I had about a hundred million dollars worth of projects on the books and thank goodness, you know, we pulled the plug before this all happened. I don't think I would revisit that even, I don't think I'd buy one at any price. 
you know, right now in this environment. I just, I just don't think I'd want to enter that sector right now. No, that's no hotels are untouchable for a while. Um, yeah. Uh, there's no, I mean, there's, there's just other places to play. You don't need to go to that one right now. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, so, so I, as I'm sitting, so I guess this is the next question, right? Obviously my background, as you know, is more residential. Um, you know, let's fast forward 90 days. Let's assume we're starting to crack open the economy, which again is an assumption yeah. uh, where, you know, it's just starting. Right. Uh, so people can go local, right. There's no longer shelter at home, but maybe there's yeah. no flights or whatever. So where, where do you think, where do you think the best deals will be? You know, should I just stay knowing what I know and stay residential and small units, uh, maybe, you know, small apartments up to 20 units, or do you think I should spend the next 60 to 90 days gaining knowledge in the strip malls and the kind of small locales? So, cause maybe that'll be more painful, right? Cause the point, your earlier point is dead on, I think is they need food, water, food, and shelter. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe residential is not hit as much where, you know, the greater pain is in kind of retail strip malls. I mean, what, what kind of advice would you give me uh, to start, you know, taking advantage of what 2020 will be on the other side? Stick with what you know, because you're, you're, you're in a niche. And again, housing is going to be the proven asset class through this environment. This is a very unique thing. And, you know, even in 2009, housing took a hit, but that's only if you bought wrong, right? Yeah. So it's still maintained. It's still cash flowed. It's still generated rent. You know, even in this environment, you know, what, what we will see and what the model and the debate will be put, put to bed is going to be which class of uh, property is going to survive, A, B, C, or D, which one's going to do the best in this environment. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I pretty much feel like it's going to be A, B is going to do the, do the best. A lot of people think it's the other way around. But if you look yep. at who's out of work, um, yep. you know, it's the class, you know, C properties and some class B properties, you know, the, the more white collar jobs and the more professionals are still working, still getting paid, you know, so they're still paying rent. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Most everybody I know is still collecting. They're not having any pro- problems yet, having any issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm a developer. So I had, I had sold everything when all cash, you know, before all this happened. So, um, you know, I've been kind of sitting back, just kind of waiting and watching. And, you know, I was with the prices where they were going, I, I wasn't a buyer. Right. So I think for you, I think housing stick with what you know, because you're going to be able to like blow that up. Yeah. So, as opposed to the learning curve of understanding businesses, you know, even just how to value a business. It's not difficult. EBITDA, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization. You know, it's a net operating income function, mm. but still you got to learn that business, learn that space, you know, retail, restaurants, those types of things are going to be up for grabs. You know, those are controlled theft businesses. You know, you're dealing with a difficult labor market component. Even, even with what we're seeing now, labor will be more abundant. But man, those are very difficult businesses to run. They take a lot of time. They take expertise. Mm-hmm. There is going to be opportunities, you know, for, for different businesses. But, you know, you've got a fastball ahead of you. And, and right. focus is 100% of the game. You've been training. This, I'll give you the analogy. You've been training your entire life, right, to, to, to play in the Super Bowl. You've, yeah been a quarterback your entire life to play in the Super Bowl, you're not going to stop now and go play baseball because you think you can make it to the World Series, you know, when you've never swung a baseball bat, never yeah. pit, you know what I mean? Cool. You've never set foot on the baseball field. You've been on the football field your whole life. Go to the Super Bowl got <laughs> because it. that's what you got in front of you. I love that analogy. Um, now, for you, you know, you're going to be able to take advantage of, and like I'd say, if I were you, you know, um, stick in your lane, stick with what you know, and use your balance sheet, not your cash. Use your intellectual uh, mm-hmm. capital, use other people's money, keep your cash in the bank. As we all know, cash is king. It's the reserve currency of the world. What is the rest of the world doing? They're buying our debt and losing money. 
yeah. that are buying our bonds and losing money because we are the safe haven. There is no other country in the world that can do what we're doing right now, print unlimited money. Nobody else can do that and still maintain the value of a dollar, mm -hmm. right? So our dollar is not going anywhere. A lot of people say this is going to destroy the dollar. We're going to have hyperinflation and all that. It's not going to happen. So there's too many other people that want what we have. And, um, you, you know, so when you think about, and for anybody listening, what you're good at, what your talents are, what brought you to the dance is where you need to go, right? Go home with whoever brought you to the dance. So when awesome. this thing is over, you've got a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to capitalize, use your intellectual capital, use your money raising skills with people you know that have, uh, that are going to be done with the stock market. And I know it's up today. Be careful with that. We can talk about that at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we've still got some downside there, but, um, people are going to be looking for alternatives. They've got IRAs, they've got 401ks, they've got things like that, that you can put to work for them in your deals uh, and help them, you know, find a place where they can earn some yield uh, and then take it, take advantage of what's going on out there. Cause I'm not looking for a crash in the market. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, yeah. interest rates are too low. There's still too much demand, mm -hmm. you know, and what we saw before is what we're going to see. It's all related to the interest rates and the, and the ability to borrow money. What you are going to see is less buyers because the qualifications are going to get more difficult. So in the near term, you're going to have even more advantage because you've got a balance sheet, you've got good credit, you've got experience. A lot of other people aren't going to be able to buy traditionally. They're yeah. going to have to use creative methods. And uh, if they don't have the reserves and the resources, the creative isn't going to do them any good either. Yeah. Very cool. I love that answer. I wasn't sure I was going to get that answer, but I love that answer. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to go play in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go learn baseball or basketball or anything of that nature. So, uh, I appreciate that advice. Um, we locked up. yeah, it's good. I think, uh, I think we're good, but I was just saying, I appreciate your advice. I'm going to play in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to play yeah. baseball or rugby or golf. I'm going to play in the Super Bowl and stay in my lane again. Uh, as you know, I don't have to do anything, but I have the, I have the balance sheet and credit and money raising skills to do it. So I, yeah. I really appreciate that advice. Uh, why don't we talk about the stock market? You brought it up. Yeah. Uh, I think at the start of this recording, it was up a thousand points today. Um, I certainly have my thoughts, but uh, why don't you go ahead and share what you think when you look at that, uh, you know, the Dow up a thousand on a, on a Monday morning. Yeah, I'd just say, you know, be careful. It's a dead cat bounce. So if you go back to 2008 and nine, you'll see uh, this, the big sell-off started around the fall of 08. That's when the problem started. And the bottom was March of 09. So that was a mm. six-month process, okay, somewhere in there, plus or minus. And during that process, we had, you know, a couple of down days and big up days, a couple of down days. So what was happening was the market you thought in your mind was kind of staying a little bit flat, but it was tailing off mm -hmm. ever so slightly. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, the bottom dropped out. So we're kind of there right now. You get a little good news, it's up. You get a little bad news, it's down. Yeah. You know, but it's usually down more than it's up on the aggregate. Okay. Now what's going to happen is when, when, you know, all of this information come home, comes home to roost and we get another 10 million, 10 million job applicants this week. And, you know, all of the reality of where we really are from this little wave and the, and the wave kind of comes in on the financial side, <clears throat> we've seen the tidal wave coming in now with the, you know, um, medical side. We haven't seen the financial tidal wave hit yet. Yeah, We're exactly. Yeah. That. That's going to be a few, weeks to months behind the health thing and the market will shoot up on good news of a vaccine and this and that but then the realities of where we really are gdp numbers are going to start coming in people are going to start realizing and looking at man where are the valuations to gdp in the market doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah doesn't make any sense for us to be where we are right now <clears throat> the other thing to remember is <clears throat> for a lot of people 
if you had a hundred grand in the market and it sold off 30%, now you got 70. You know, if your portfolio went down 30%, you got 70. If it goes up 30%, how much do you have now? 91. 90. You're yeah. still down $10,000. So a lot of people think, oh man, it's, it'll come right back. No, when, you, when you've got a stock that's 10 bucks that went down to three, okay, and it goes back up to 10, yes. But when you're averaged out, which most people are in, mm -hmm. you know, ETFs and things like that, it doesn't work like that for your portfolio. So don't think that, you know, it's going to automatically be right back to where it was. And then, yeah. you know, ultimately, if we do get back to the valuations we had and, you know, before all this started, it, you know, it just isn't going to much upside. You know, we just, we just, you know, we've got too much ground to make up for a while. So just yeah. be careful, be mindful of it. Yeah. We're not at the bottom. We got a lot more to go. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I did some research again, a lot of reading over the weekend and, and, um, this update, it, we're not in control. The average investors, you and I are not in control. It's all machine driven, algorithm driven. Uh, it's frankly a bunch of shorts covering, uh, that's driving the volume. It's, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it, we're just not in control. I, it's, it's indexes and ETFs. So the low so far is 2237. I just talked about it this morning. Um, I could easily see us go under 2000. That's obviously the S and P. And again, at the end of the day, this is earnings for the S and P 500 and then a PE ratio, right? We were stretched at the peak. Um, I could easily see S and P earnings going to a hundred bucks in aggregate and then see the PE fall to 15. And if you just do the math on that, that's a, you know, that's a S and P 1500. But yeah. I kind of, I kind of think that's worst case. But frankly, as I, I think we shared last week, that's the only time I even get, I'll even look at the stock market. Until the stock market's down 50%, mm -hmm. I'm not even looking, right? So um, yeah, I think yeah. we have, I think we have a- And that's where some of the smartest minds are at that did extremely well back in 08 and 09 and that are doing extremely well right now. They're all saying, look, until we get to about 50% from where we were, we haven't bottomed. And you yeah. know, and it just, now it could get worse, sure. but that's a minimum given the environment because there's just so much, yeah. that wave, has not come in yet. And, it, and it's going to, you know, when the reality sets in of how many businesses actually aren't going to recover yeah. uh, and reopen and how many people aren't going to go right back to work as soon as this is done. Yeah. Uh, and, and how many people aren't going to go right back into the stores as soon as they reopen, mm -hmm. you know, because what you said, it's, it's going to be a trickle back, you know, especially if this goes a long time and there's a chance that, you know, we're seeing it, you know, flare up in other areas again, yeah. like we're seeing in China and these other places, yeah. you know, they're, they're starting to get it again, you know? Yeah. So, uh, we haven't extinguished this thing. So until you no. get a vaccine, we don't know that we're on the other side. And then you got to, you got to vaccinate the entire world. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Not just getting one. You got to get it out there. Yeah. yeah. I can only imagine. Let's just snap our fingers and say we had a vaccine tomorrow. It's got to take a hundred days, 200 yeah. days to vaccinate everyone. Shoot. It'd probably yeah. take a hundred days just to make all the vaccines. Right. Cause that process can't be easy. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. So same advice, if, you, if you're not an expert in the markets, don't think you're going to go in there and beat yeah. it because you're not. You're going to get wiped out. So stick with what you know. You know, it's like Michael Jordan. He retired from basketball, went to base, baseball, right? Yeah. That didn't last. <laughs> Came back. <laughs> exactly. That's so true. stick with what you know. Double down on what you know. Be ready to strike because the opportunity is coming. Again, not to be predatory, yeah. but to be a solution, to be a merchant of necessity. What you're doing in your office, positioning yourself as an expert, yeah. You know, one of the best things I think you can do is get somebody in there that can lend money right now yeah. um, and have a desk that's private, hard, yeah. you know, and, and traditional lending so that you have multiple sources for the community to come in and borrow money. Man, you'll be, you will own your market. Yeah. I need to get one in there. So, I wanna, yeah. I'll even give away the office if I have to. Um, yeah, man. That's, that's you great. can be the deals and the funding. You own the market. There you go. Um, 
I don't know if you saw this. It, it, I caught it right before I hit, um, right before I invite you, but Janet Yellen, right? Former Fed chair was mm-hmm. just on CNBC. And I've only read the headline because I, I didn't have a chance to read the article. But she is saying GDP for Q2 would be down 30%. Mm-hmm. And that we're already at somewhere between twelve and fifteen in the unemployment rate. Um, mm-hmm. Both those numbers are sobering. Uh, how how does that hit you? What do you think? Um, what, I yeah, guess I think unemployment think? estimations are low. I think, like we talked about, the effective rate is much higher. When you count yeah. self-employed that haven't been able to apply yet, that's the other thing. I don't know if you watch reports over the weekend you can't even get through to apply because there's yeah. just, it's just overwhelming the system. I saw that. So, you know, we're looking at applications and it wasn't, an, and that hasn't been released yet. I know they're going to allow self, self-employed to apply for unemployment as well, yeah. but that hasn't happened yet. So uh, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's gotta be 20, 25, maybe 30% unemployment, you know, GDP, who knows, you know, I have no clue what the real impact of that's going to be because that's a global, well, that's American GDP. But when you look at the global economy, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's a big number. So that's that tidal wave that's waiting to hit, which is, which is fine because we know it's coming. We know it's out there. Markets are going to tail off when, they, when the reality sets in. Yeah. That's when you'll find your bottom. When those numbers come in, when, you know, when we have some vaccine and some hopes and things like that and the medical, you know, the health situation kind of tables, that's when you're going to see your bottom. And then that's when, if you're in the markets, that's when it's time to go play, um, you know, and then we'll get to the other side of this and see what the real effects on the economy are. Very, very It's cool. big. It's big, yeah. But I mean, just like last week, 6.6, it kind of hit me. It was like, oh, shoot. And I think she's right. I, I, I can't see how GDP is not down. We've essentially asked half our economy to stay home. And again, yeah. I just look at my family, right? What have we done? And again, mm-hmm. I'm essentially retired, right? For the last three weeks, I've, got, I've driven my car once, <laughs> once to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and you started two weeks before us. You yeah. Know, you were already like self-isolating two weeks before we started. Yeah. So it's just weird, right? I haven't filled up my gas tank, which I usually fill up at least once a week, mm-hmm. if not twice. I haven't done any shopping other than one trip to the grocery store. We're doing some Amazon stuff, but n- nothing abnormal. Haven't gone to a restaurant in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, not even takeout, right? Because- you know, we're just cooking at home. So yeah. the economy has to be 30%. And you're right, unemployment, this, this is, but, you know, we see it coming, right? This, the tsunami is coming. Uh, I do not think it's in the stock market yet to the earlier conversation. No. Uh, so hence 1,500, right? I'll, I'll look when it's 50%. We'll have a different conversation when the market's at 50%. We're going to get there. Like I said, I've been saying Dow 15 before you see Dow 30 again and um you know 2000 before you see you know where are we at 3 30 what was the height i don't remember 35 or something but yeah um it was up there yeah. but uh you know uh you know and that's the other thing it's we're going to get through it we are going to survive i mean this this country has seen way worse than this mm. this is temporary that's the good news the, the federal government does have unlimited ammunition to be able to prop things up until we get going and that's all it is is a cushion you know, so uh, the question is, what are going to be the effects of that on the other side? And the only thing we have to look at is 2008 and 9 when they did somewhat of the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where that's going to get us and how things are going to go. So um, this is the time to hone your skills, sharpen your skills, double down on your market knowledge. Yep. You know, look for the little signs of what's going on. Be in tune with what's happening and, uh, you know, be ready, be ready to strike. And, you know, uh, unemployment this week, I'm going to call it 10 million. I think we're going to be see 10 million oh. new applications this week. 
Oh, you could be right. I'm going to call the under on that, but I think you could be right. Just, I want yeah. some good news. 10 million. It'll oh be my. interesting. Oh my God. Well, I think it's good news and this is why. I think okay. it's great news because if it's getting processed, people are getting paid. Ah, okay. I think that's great news because if you're getting paid, you're spending money, right? There you go. <clears throat> so yeah. I think it's a good thing. I think the more you see, the better off we are. Okay. So we understand where we're at. People are collecting money and getting paid. That's the longer that goes, the worse it's going to be. So big numbers are a good thing. I like it. There you go. Now you made me feel better. You made me feel better. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. This is always fun. Thank you for giving me some coaching. Uh, always appreciate it. Yeah, I enjoyed it, Michael. It's good to talk to you. You got it. Thanks, buddy.